Well, hello there, and welcome to episode number 354 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books. With me today is Amanda, and we are going to talk about BEA. Amanda was at Book Expo America 2019, and she has books to recommend, titles to squee about, a definite predilection for candles, and she also likes to read cover blurbs, which is not a thing I knew. Key terms to listen for in this interview claustrophobic thriller and snakes are having a moment. Plus, of course, we talk about what Amanda is reading right now. Now, I do need to issue a mild content warning. Amanda tells some stories about wrangling snakes in her childhood, like actual snakes, not terrible people. So if you're not on board with snake discussion, around 39 minutes in when Amanda mentions snake stories, you might want to skip ahead about a minute total. Otherwise, we're just going to squee about books and talk about BEA. So I'm curious, do you want to attend BEA? Do you like meetings? Amanda really likes meetings. Me, not so much. Do you read blurbs from other writers on the cover of books? What grabs you about a book cover? You can tell us because I love hearing from you. Our email address is sbjpodcast at gmail.com. And you can call and leave a message or tell me a bad joke. I love those at 1-201-371-3272. This week's podcast episode and podcast transcript are brought to you by our wonderful Patreon community. If you have supported the show with a monthly pledge of any amount, thank you. You are helping me keep the show going. You make sure that every episode has a transcript and you're just lovely. I very much appreciate your support. If you would like to join our Patreon community, it would be most excellent if you did. Have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. Monthly pledges start at $1 a month. And each pledge helps me keep going. So thank you so much in advance for considering. And thank you for being part of our Patreon community. I do have a compliment this week. I love this. Okay. To Sonia M. You know how when you're really thirsty and tired and someone hands you a glass of something cool and perfect to drink? You know that feeling? That is what it's like for your friends when they talk to you each day. If you would like a compliment of your very own, have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. It is one of the reward tiers and you would get a personally crafted, heartfelt compliment from yours truly. I have a lot of fun developing them too. So, you know, if you would like one, definitely jump in. The music you are listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. I will have information at the end of the podcast as to who this is. I have a preview of what's coming up on Smart Bitches and I have a really bad joke because I love those. I also have do not worry. Links to every book we discuss in this episode, and there are so many of them. All of them are coming out within the next year, and a lot of them were uh, discovered at BEA. So if you've got serious book shopping feelings, we will help you out. We'll have links to all of the things that we talked about in the show notes at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. But without any further delay, let's get on with this podcast, on with my conversation with Amanda about BEA 2019. How much do you just love the Javits Center? <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't I love it. the Javits Center. I hate it so much. It is the worst. It is the literal worst. What led you to go back? <laughs> I think this time, BEA is manageable. Um, there aren't as many people as there are for BookCon. And you didn't stay for BookCon, right? Dear Lord, no. (laughs) (laughs) I did not. Um, 
didn't stay for BookCon. I went last year. And I think they're, like, building it bigger and bigger each year. BookCon? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, they're doing, like, Uh, more stuff. And so I'm curious. My roommate who works in publishing, she um, was an exhibitor. Yeah, I was talking to her, and we agree that it's not – BEA wasn't as big as last year. And we're curious to see – how the two are going to change in relation to each other in the next few years. So how is BEA not as big? Were there fewer exhibitors there? Fewer exhibitors. A lot of the people that I know in publishing, back when I used to work in publishing, don't go anymore. Um, I don't think, for example, I used to work at Houghton Mifflin. They didn't have a booth last year, and I don't think they have a booth this year. Instead, they might just send their publicists down to do meetings instead of, you know, having an exhibit. And some of the booths were smaller, like Penguin Random House's booth wasn't as big right. as last year. Um, and last year they had like a table that they were selling books at. Um, the Strand, which is a bookstore in New York, had like a section where they sold stuff at. And now I think those sorts of things are being saved for book con and they're not even bothering to set it up for BEA. Wow. Yeah. If right for anyone who's listening who who might not know what BEA is, BEA is Book Expo America and it is the major industry convention for the publishing industry. Yes. It used to be that all of the book buyers and people who bought books to put in places to sell them to other people would go to BEA and see all the things. And there's huge banners of like massive banners in the in the in the glass lobby of the Javits of big titles and big authors and big, you know, big books that are coming in the in the in the next year. But I look at it and I think, aren't there like nine total book buyers now? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of indie booksellers go and a lot of librarians go. Um and then like media. They let yeah. they let us riff raff in. <laughs> yeah, when we're weird media too. We're we're in various different places yes. of media. So what do you go for and what did you like this year? I go for meetings. I like meeting with people that I work with online a lot. Like we correspond and work with various publicists on their books. And this is one of the few times that I can have face-to-face time with these people and, you know, sit down. And I also get to meet new people. For example, when you register, I think you can opt in to have your contact information listed on something. I don't know where it's housed, but other publicists get access to the media list and can reach out to you. So mm-hmm. I met with Little Brown and Company, their Young Readers imprint, and I met with the Penguin Random House Young Readers imprint. And before I hadn't worked with any of them on titles, I didn't even have like a contact at that imprint. So it was nice to make new connections and be able to meet with people. I liked that a lot. Yeah, I'm one of those weirdos that loves meetings. Yeah, I'm just sitting here shaking my head like, no, no. Yeah, I love them. 
But apart from that, one thing that I really loved is something that they did new this year called Unbound. And it was a section on the floor of the Javits Center. Oh, that, it looks so cool. Yeah, that had all, all like the sideline sales stuff. So if you go into like a bookstore and they're selling like, you know, bookish socks and candles and, you know, pins and jewelry. So those book-related things that aren't books. And when we got there Thursday morning, the Unbound section was giving out free mimosas. Those are smart people right there. Just to loosen your inhibitions. Those are really smart people right there. Yeah. And there was a Taza chocolate booth because I – Taza's local to me um, in Somerville. But they do show up a lot in the local bookstores here. And they were, like, giving out free chocolate samples. And um, it was really cool. My favorite – online candle company Wiccan Fable was exhibiting there. I got to meet and chat with the guy who makes all of their scents. That was kind of neat. Oh, what did you learn? Well, he was just like talking to me about the different scents that he's made and what some of his favorite one was. And so he was telling me that the Slytherin candle they have became really difficult to make because it's a very minty scent and he's like i identify as a slytherin but i hate making this candle because (laughs) the mint is so intense that i get like headaches from having to make a huge batch of them (laughs) he's like i don't know why i didn't make it something more pleasant and then he talked to me about how he changed the scent for one of the candles. It's now like a more pineapple scent when before I think it was like floral or musky. And it was just interesting, like talking to him. Um, And, you know, I bought candles and didn't have to pay for shipping. So that was (laughs) nice. So they were selling stuff in the unbound section. Yes. They were also taking orders for things to like. Wholesale orders. Wholesale orders for your store. Yes. I don't have a store so I was just buying for myself um and then some of them I believe were also staying through BookCon I think a a lot of the candle companies were staying through till BookCon because BookCon is very YA heavy it really is yeah and YA gets a lot of the cool shit in general (laughs) so majority of like the candles are like YA themed and it made sense for them to to stick around. Some didn't weren't staying. I know Taza was leaving the same night I was, but I'm curious to see how like Unbound did for BookCon because I think that was like the first year there was a de- designated section for like those extra things. But those were the two things that I like the most was meeting with people that I just kind of correspond with via email for, Mm -hmm. you know, 363 days out of the year. Right. And like the new unbound section was really cool. And, you know, it hurting on my wallet. (laughs) Yeah. I can understand that. I was trying, I'm trying not to purchase any books in, in the month of May. And I stuck to that. But it also helped that both BEA and Book Lovers Con happened in May. 
So I did get new books, but I didn't have to pay. (laughs) (laughs) I liked your picture when you got home of like a whole stack of mailers. And you were like, I was only gone for three days. I'm like, yep, that's my my table. Yep. I think there's about 10 of them that I got while I was gone. Um, I felt bad. My... Our neighbor is so nice, and instead of just leaving them out on the porch, he kind of sandwiched them between our screen door and our front door. But there were so many that it just kind of, like, climbed from the bottom, like, up between the two doors. (laughs) And so when you open the screen door, they just kind of all, like, tumbled, tumbled out. But, yeah, so those things were great. And, of course, BEA is all about new books coming out and what people are excited for. So tell me about the things you learned about in addition to candles that you're excited about. I have a stack next to me. Bring it on. There's one that's not in this stack that like fate was not on my side to get. I had like maybe two or three opportunities to get it and it just never worked out. Um, So I'm going to try to work some email magic and get a copy but it's called Gideon the Ninth, and all you need to know about Gideon the Ninth is lesbian necromancers in space. I, I, I yeah, that's all you yeah. need to know. Well, <laughs> lesbian necromancers, yes. in space, yes. Okay, I didn't know I needed those three words to be together, mm-hmm. but that's amazing. Except, where are they going to find dead people in space? Are they just floating around? I don't know. Wow. Lesbian necromancers in space. I'm very excited about it. I think there are maybe two or three opportunities to get a book, but at BEA, there are two ways you can pretty much get free books. Right. You line up an hour or so in advance. I've seen that. Or you're just super lucky when they drag out the carton of books to just drop onto the floor. And right, so like at the be- right place at the right time. Right, or you're there on the last day. They found a box that they hadn't given out, and they just start handing them out because they don't want to bring them. Don't want to take it back. So yeah, and usually like, I was in meetings, or some of the things were ticketed, and I missed like the ticket drop. And yeah, fate was conspiring against me, and for some reason, the world doesn't want me to have lesbian necromancers in space. So you didn't get a copy? No, but I'm gonna gonna try to send out some emails on Monday once right, everyone. So what publisher is this? Uh, Tor. So tell me the name of this book again. Gideon, G I D E O N, the Ninth by Tamson Mir. Yep. Well, you can read chapters one and two on Tor.com. Oh, yeah. Wow, that. That's one of those things where you tell me the, the the hook and I'm like, I didn't know that that was a thing that I would want, but now it's a thing that I want. I love books that can kind of like be boiled down into like a weird Mad Libs description and you're like, right. yep, here for it. <laughs> Somebody put all the good words in the blender that came out. Yep. It was good. Yay. Yep. <laughs> a noun, a setting, an adjective. What do we got? Yep, exactly. I am entirely here for all of this. Let's do it. So what else What else rocked your world? Okay, my, my stack that I have next to me, they, there are six in the stack. Um, and I will say romance readers, BEA is not for you. 
just gonna... it really is very low on romance. They're I... promoting YA and major titles now. Yeah, I think. I think Eloisa James was doing a signing, and Julia London was doing a signing, and Sarah McLean, but it was ticketed. Um, but a lot of the romance stuff happens at BookCon. They're starting to do more of that. Um, yeah, there was an offsite event. I think yesterday or maybe today at Books Are Magic. None of these are romance novels, but they all sound fucking awesome. So the first. That's okay, we all read lots of things. Yes. The first one was called Frankly in Love by Ooh. David Yoon, and he is the husband of Nicola Yoon. She did um, Everything, Everything. Um, right. And the son is also a star, which were huge. Right. And this is like. A semi-autobiographical YA book. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a uh, Korean-American and he falls in love with a young woman who is not Korean. And it's kind of like about his own personal experience with – because Nicola Yoon is um, Jamaican-American. And David has, like, spoken about how his family wasn't very accepting of Nicola – until the two of them started having like children. Oh yeah, it's always like, oh wait, hold on, grandbabies. Yes. So Frank in the book turns to his friend Joy Song. And both Frank and Joy are in love with other people uh-huh. that their parents won't accept. So Frank and Joy pretend to be dating while secretly dating other people to get their oh. parents off their back. But it sounds really cute and really good. I'm excited to read it. And I just like touching it. I have it in my hands. <laughs> it's just like one of those books that has like a good a good weight and heft to it. So I just like holding it. <laughs> did you uh did you wait in line for this one? I did not. That was in a bag of books given to me at a meeting. Oh, nice. <laughs> There's only one in here that I waited for. The rest I got the hookups on. <laughs> the other one is Salvation Day by Callie Wallace. And mm. this was given to me because of our Creep Squad podcast coming up. And oh. it's called, what is it, like a claustrophobic thriller? Because it happens in a closed setting. So there's a virus that has awoken on this abandoned spaceship right. and the crew doesn't know. They like send someone up there to like investigate and they don't like know what's going on. So very excited about it. What is it? What is it about this that appeals to you? Just the, the uh, extremely limited uh, setting. The it's, it's, it it's gives like me forced some, proximity except without sex. It gives me, alien vibes with people being stuck on a spaceship with this horrible thing um there's also i love anything with uh, a mysterious virus there's something about chemical creepiness and like biological creepiness that appeals to me yeah like i'd so it's biological and it's a thriller yes and you know the main character is a woman, which is also cool. Right. Yes. Very excited about this one. 
And this is Berkeley. I think it's getting released in hardcover, too. Ooh. Yeah. Now, the next one I waited in line for, this was the first book I picked up at BEA called Queen of the Conquered. And it's Caribbean-inspired fantasy, and it's the author's first fantasy novel, adult fantasy. I believe they wrote middle grade previously mm-hmm. and young adult. Oh, the cover has one of, this is by Case and Calendar, yeah? Yes, uh, who is, I believe, a black transgender author. And the cover's amazing. Snakes are having a moment. I feel like there are the having a moment, aren't they? If you don't like snakes, you're kind of shit out of luck with book yeah. covers lately. So I'm so excited. This mentions like magic and vengeance, and I'm here for it. The cover is wow. And I see a lot of this. So it's the snake, and it's sort of curled up into a series of loops, and then the head is pointed down, yes. and, the, and the snake has pink flowers, and it's on top of an image of a woman from the side who has brown skin and is wearing a white head covering. I can't tell if it's a bonnet or if it's a head wrap. I'm going to guess it's a wrap of some kind. It might be a bonnet because the book mentions like, I don't know, giving vengeance against colonizers. Oh, it might be. It might be a bonnet of some sort. But anyway, that curled snake image is very cool. Yes. The third, nope, fourth book. Um, this was also a secret one. I was like talking to someone at Hachette that I met at Book Lovers Con and I just wanted to like say hi and, you know, just be on my way. And then someone from Orbit, I believe, was standing right next to her. And so we started talking. And we're like, we th- I think we've emailed before. And I'm like, I think so too. <laughs> Hello, and, person in three dimensions. How exciting. Yeah. And so she started telling me about this book that I don't think they were giving away, but it was on display. And so she like sneakily gave me a copy. Um, But it's called The 10,000 Doors of January. And it's historical fiction with like a magical book. There's like puzzles and other worlds and all this sorts of crazy bonkers stuff that makes me excited. <laughs> um and it was blurbed by some really awesome people. Not that I know blurbs, some people love them, some people hate them. I like looking at blurbs. I like seeing who has like given this book a seal of approval and how much weight you put on that is your own personal opinion. But yes, I'm very excited about this. It's early 1900s. I wouldn't say like coming of age. It might be a little older. Would you read the blurb? I can read it out loud. Yeah, 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 yeah. Read the blurb. I want to hear it. So the main blurb at the top, there's two on the back. The main blurb at the top is from Tamora Pierce, Mm -hmm. um, who I'm sure many of our listeners know. But it says, many worlds, vanishing doors, mind-cracking magic. I clung to each page, searching for answers. This is one of the most unique works of fiction I've ever read. Oh, my. Yes. And then... Zeb! Oh, Zeb! Read on. And then the second blurb is by Peng Shepard, who wrote The Book of M. I think it came out last year or the year before. 
Um, it says, each page dazzles with things to be discovered, a mansion of priceless artifacts, a secret journal, a tantalizing quest through strange and beautiful places, and a love story that spans time, worlds, and magic. I couldn't put it down. So there's magic and artifacts. Wow. And the cover is beautiful. I'm curious what it'll be. It'll look like in its finished copy, like what sort of cover treatment they'll give it. Ooh. Yeah, it's got all these gorgeous flowers and a like a gilded doorknob. Wait, tell me the title again. The Ten Thousand Doors of January. There it is. Yeah, I kept I kept trying to pull it up, and I kept getting cover coming soon, yeah. which was not helpful. Ooh, yeah. flower border. Yes, flower border. So it's sort of like a mix of treasure hunting and mystery and fantasy. Yes. I also noticed that there are a lot of books coming up that have to deal with books. They're books about books yes. that are fantasy or mysteries. Yeah, two books just- Books or libraries. Two just came out that was very book heavy. I think like The Binding was one of them. Yep, yep. And there was like another one that I can't remember, but it was very similar. So what is it that you want to read about? What is it about this one that you want to read it? Um, It just sounds fun. It sounds like fun and magical and- you know, whereas with like Salvation Day, the adventure is of like a dangerous kind. With right. this one, I get the feeling like the adventure is more of like a discovery kind, if that makes any sense. Like yeah. things you discover about the world, about yourself. Um, and I don't know. I think those two would be interesting, like paired together. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm very interested in starting it and... Awesome. Yeah. The fifth book, I think it's already out. Ooh. Before you go yeah. onto the next one, I was just looking at the Goodreads page and Holly Hart's books has a quote from this book. Yes. Sometimes I feel there are doors lurking in the creases of every sentence with periods for knobs and verbs for hinges. Whoa. Oh. So books as doors and keys and unlocking. And yeah, that's yep. a lot of your catnip, isn't it? I'm excited. Yep. Okay. It was nice knowing you. I'll see you when you're done <laughs> Goodbye. with this um, Yeah, bye. The last one, I, or the fifth one, I think it's already out. I'm not sure. Because um, like the Goodreads listing is weird, but it's called the Deceive. <laughs> well, like it brings up the audiobook version, but not the actual book book. Right, but it's, that is weird. But it's called The Deceivers by Kristen Simmons. And all you need to know is it's a, a boarding school for con artists. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, space lesbian necromancers, boarding school for con artists. Yep. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm with you so far. Yeah, and I'm excited about it. And then the last one I didn't know about, but it's a book based on a podcast that I listened to. So the podcast is called The Bright Sessions. It's a storytelling fictional podcast about a therapist who sees and treats um, people with supernatural powers. Right. Um, And so each episode is kind of like a session that she has with one of her clients. Um, And the creator of the podcast, Lauren Shippen, is writing a book And the first book is called The Infinite Noise. And the main character is an empath. 
and Ooh. he's also a running back for as you his do. high school like football team. <laughs> um, and so it's kind of like about him. And it's like a queer love story, but it also has like people with supernatural abilities going to therapy. Um, And I believe each book in the series is going to be about another supernatural individual. Oh, wow. Yeah. So each book will be a singular focus, whereas the podcast is lots of different stories. Yes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, each book will be like a singular person. Um, The podcast is really good if, you know, you like the the storytelling podcast medium, if you like Welcome to Night Vale, stuff like that. The Bright Sessions is very good. Um, I'm a little behind on it, but, you know, from what I've listened to it, I've really loved it. And those are my my six books that – and I'm sure like – I'll probably do like another post, like a a hide your wallet post on even more books that I heard about and picked up. But these are like the six that I am really excited about. That is very cool. Were there any books that you learned about that you would have waited in line for? Or are you just sort of like, no, I can't do lines? Hmm. At this point, it's a, like, I can't do lines. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's one of the other things that's so hard about BEA. It is so crowded with people sometimes. Yes. And I think more of the publishers are switching to either, like, not announcing when they're dropping books. It's called, like, a galley drop. Um, are not Mm -hmm. announcing really ahead of time when they're doing things because people, Mm -hmm. they won't line up, but they'll start milling around in the booth and like things become very crowded in one central area because they're just like waiting for these books to be brought out. Um, Or publishers are doing a ticketed thing. They'll be like, oh, uh, tickets for this book will be available in the booth at 9 a.m. First come, first serve. And then you need a ticket for whatever signing or galley drop is happening later in the afternoon at like 2 p.m. or or whatever. But like if you have meetings, a lot of the ticketed drops, like I was busy. I didn't have an opportunity to like go to the booth first and then go to my meeting. Um, But the – I think the the biggest book that was at – BEA was the ninth house that's coming out by Lee Bardugo, another snake on the cover. I believe this is her first adult fantasy. And they were dropping tickets for a signing. They were dropping tickets at noon on Wednesday, which is when right. BEA opened and the signing was going to be at three. And I was so people were booking it. So I heard some people were waiting in line. They Got a, got in line to be let into BEA at 8 a.m. And we're waiting for four hours. And then once they were letting people in, people were just like running to the McMillan booth to get tickets. Oh, And they God. were gone like a matter of minutes. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, on one hand, that's really cool that people are going to wait in line for a book. Like that's enthusiasm books. Good. On the other hand, that sounds exhausting. Yes. Especially, you know, some people were bummed because like, oh, I was 
sitting and like waiting to be let in at 8 a.m. And then like the security guards had to move all these people. And then like they opened the stanchions on the other end from where I had been waiting. And yeah, it seemed like a big clusterfuck. And that was pretty much the only opportunity at BEA to get a copy of Ninth House. And Wednesday is not the most attended of the three days. It's usually like a setup day. It's a half day. Um, Yeah, I was on a bus trying to get there by noon. And I feel like even Mm -hmm. if I got there at noon, I probably wouldn't get one. Knowing that there had been people already lining up four hours in advance. So For that one. For that one book. um, I think they might be doing one thing for Ninth House at. BEA or at BookCon. So that there's always one most coveted arc to get. There really is, isn't there? Yeah. And if you think about it, like in a year, the book will be out. Yeah. But it's a very limited time. Um, It has a very limited time span of, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Cachet, I guess. The book comes out in, in October. So less than six months. Um, yeah, but there's some scandal going around. (gasps) Yes. So before, before BEA, uh, author Cora Carmack tweeted that she had seen someone selling one of her arcs for $70 on eBay. And she, this does happen. She's like, please don't do this. The book will eventually be out. These aren't supposed to be sold. She's like, and she was offering, she's like, if you, Take that $70 you would on this arc and you donate it to, like, the epilepsy fund that she was promoting because I believe Cora has epilepsy or whatever. Like, I will send you some, like, exclusive swag or, like, a preview chapter or something like that. She's like, don't support these arc sellers. Please use your money to do something else with it. And so that was going around, like, the day before BEA happened. Well – that same arc seller managed to get a copy of the ninth house. <gasps> oh no! At BEA, and but six Holy six shit. hours later, it was up on eBay for over two hundred dollars asking price. Good God! Yeah. Oh, that is just that is really sad. People were pissed. Who is angry about it? The publisher and the author and other people who wait in line? Yeah. I mean, it stinks that, you know, some people wait in line for arcs and galleys of books they really want and are really excited about. And, you know, they could be booksellers, librarians, whoever. And then to have people take advantage of this opportunity to get these awesome free books and just sell them. Like that sucks. I was like, this is a this is why we can't have nice things moment, you know? And I don't think this will happen or have any terrible negative effects, but you know, it it's kind of shitty and it makes me think that if this becomes a trend and more and more people start selling arcs, does that mean publishers won't produce as many arcs anymore? Or will they be more selective on who gets them? Um, so I don't think it, it's happening now, but if it's a repeat thing, I definitely think publishers might start revisiting how they give out advanced copies and to whom. I honestly don't think 
that they will. This has been going on for such a long time in so many different ways. And in the long run, it's publicity. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it sucks. It's annoying. You can't control it. But if a book is so desired that it has a monetary value in its unfinished form, it'll, it'll be sold in its unfinished form because there's, you know, there's value. If someone's willing to pay for it, then it'll be sold at that price. It sucks. It sucks out loud sideways, but this is all good publicity. This reminds me of Aria's post that went up today about anticipated releases and, you know, reading on release day. And as I've gotten older, I don't have that feeling of I have to read this right now. There Mm -hmm. are um, no books out there or that I'm looking forward to so much that I can't wait the six months or even a year to pub date and I would drop $200 on getting an advanced copy. There, There's no case that would work for me that I would do that. Um, And for like anticipated releases, I can't remember the last time something hit my Kindle at midnight or I got something that I was like, well, fuck all of my other books. I have to read this right this second. So yeah. I don't know. Your priorities. And I'm not a patient person by any means. <laughs> but I just can't imagine, you know, spending that money buying a, an advanced copy for a book that I can't wait a few months for. Well, that was the same thing happened with print copies of um, Fifty Shades before it was published in the States. It, it Print copies were hundreds and hundreds of dollars because there were so few of them. It's scarcity and exclusivity. Not only is there a scarce number of them, but you also get uh, the exclusivity of being able and having read something that isn't out yet. That counts also for a lot. I guess. It's- I just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a question. What was the name of the book that we were talking about earlier that is by um, it is the 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 woman on the cover with the snake and the bonnet. Queen of the Conquered. Queen of the Conquered. Thank you. I think I could be wrong, but I think that the snake on Queen of the Conquered and the snake ninth on ninth house, same snake. Yeah, is the same, same snake. I was talking to it is someone ex- about it. I was like, I hope that snake is getting some top billing. I hope they have like Yeah, that is absolutely the same exact snake. Yep. Man, this guy's this snake is gonna be more popular than all those cover models that showed up on the same covers for ages. <laughs> yep, this snake is gonna have some like prime cover credits. That is abs I'm looking at it very closely. It is absolutely the same snake. Yeah. That's amazing. So basically you are actually a fangirl of this snake, is the thing. I mean, like. I like snakes. Not gonna lie. We used to have some growing up and I've I've caught wilds of here's a, a redneck story, two of them that involved snakes. <laughs> My brother and I oh, once okay. trapped a hog snake under an old unused fish tank that we had out in uh, the yard uh, with just using a broom <laughs> as you a do. broom and an old aquarium we trapped a hog snake uh, in the yard 
And then there was one time where like I was feeding our chickens and I reached into the feed and there was a snake in there. I just picked up the snake and tossed it in the grass. Holy cow. Snakes don't bother me. Wow. Apparently not. You're a fangirl of them uncovered. I love snakes. Not going to lie. <laughs> oh, man. You know, it's it's funny. I I remember holding on to ARCs because I thought that they were so incredibly cool. Like, I couldn't believe I had this early copy of a book. And I don't know if I told you this. When I moved, I went down to the basement. Um, well, first, the first person who ever sent me ARCs was Erin Galloway when she was at Dorchester. And I had no idea that getting books early was a thing. And then I emailed her and I was like, well, do you want these back? And she was like, like no, 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 don't. no, please, you know, no. What am I supposed to do with them? Well, you can recycle them. And I was like, what? No, I can't put it. No. And it was, it was a bound galley. I think it even had like a plain paper cover. I kept it. And this was probably 2006. So we moved in winter of 2010. No, excuse me, 2015, even later. Wow. 2015 is when we moved. So this was 2006 to 2015. I am going through all of the boxes of stuff in my basement and I come across a box of arcs from that period of time because I couldn't get rid of them. Now I was able to recycle them. But at the time I was horrified by the idea. Well, sometimes, so I will shelve my arcs that I read and I love, but sometimes I'll get an advanced copy and then I'll get like the finished book. But with my arcs, please, I'm going to, I know when this goes up, I'm going to hear a collective gasp from the world. I dog ear my pages on my arcs. Um, well, of course. Why wouldn't you? I dog ear them. I might have like marginalia and like write in them because like when I'm doing a review, if there's a. Why would this be a problem? <laughs> some people have feelings about dog earing pages. Like I would never do it to a library book, but if it. Sometimes I tear the pages out of an arc and I use it to start the grill. <laughs> Sometimes they are used to start the smoker and then we smoke a whole chicken on the arc on the arc fire. Burning the books. Well, I mean they're already out and I can't only do things with like with I can only recycle yeah. them. And so I'll dog ear them for quotes that I want to revisit if I'm writing the review or whatever. Um and if I get a finished copy, then I usually save it if we do a giveaway. And I remember I was talking to Cindy, who is Helen Hong's editor at Penguin Random House. Mm-hmm. Cindy was, Wong at Penguin. Yes, yeah. she's great. And I was, I was talking to her about like there's only one author that I care about getting my book signed, and that's Helen. And she's like, oh, well, the Ripped Bodice is selling signed copies. I was like, yeah, I know. But I would want her to sign my beat up arc with all of like the pages folded that I have of scenes that I loved. And like, I would want her to sign. I totally understand this. I'm with you 100%. So my. Yeah, it's well, it's an artifact. When you do that, you're creating an artifact. You're creating an artifact of your reading experience, yeah. of course. And my shelves are just like a mishmash of like arcs. Some are like lovely with like the cover and some are just like bound manuscripts that I have to put a label on the spine so I know what the hell it is on my shelf. And it's a – my <laughs> shelves are just like the island of misfit children, essentially. It's just all shapes and sizes of books. But BEA was fine. I – did you did you get a sort of a, a lift of of like being around all the people who are as interested and excited about books there, as you are? Yes, want? I will say, as exhausted as you are, there is just something 
about being around book people and talking to book people about books. There is like a feeling and everyone was so nice and lovely that I stop and talk to and schmoozed with and it was great. But you know, when I got back home to Boston, I crashed so hard. Today, I've been napping my face off. It takes a lot out of you, especially if you're an introvert like me and it just being oh. around crowds sucks all of your energy. Oh yeah, that's 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 why I don't like to go. <laughs> <laughs> the cost is too high. There there is a, like a two day recovery period after that, um, and I can only imagine what it would be like to go to BookCon this year. Um, my roommate was thankful because normally they stay for BEA and BookCon, and then have to go to work the next day. So they had BEA Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, BookCon Saturday, Sunday, and then back to the office on Monday. I don't envy any of the publishing people who have to do that. Oh yeah, it's a lot. And it's and and it sounds like BookCon is just getting bigger it and is. bigger with more and more people. It so is. Um I think Elise asked me last night. She's like, "Do you think it's worth going to BookCon as a reader?" I'm like, no. "You? No. Don't. Don't do that to Why? yourself." <laughs> and I was like, "Honestly, Elise, you could probably just go to BEA and be fine." Like there's not as much reader fan stuff obviously at BEA because that's not what it's for but if you hate being around crowds and having to throw some bows just to get a book no do not go to BookCon. (laughs) This year there were more romance events at BookCon than last year so that's heartening but it's primarily YA focused you know maybe that'll change. Who knows? I saw a lot of uh, Instagram coverage of the audiobooks area too. I didn't even that go to the audiobooks I, area. Maybe because I follow a bunch of audiobook people, but they seem to have a lot of cool stuff going on. Interesting. Was that? Do you know if that was only for BookCon? It, they had like a like a reading area, Ooh. and it was like the Babysitters Club reading area. Oh, I saw that. Alyssa Cole took like a really cute photo. That was not there at BEA. Well, I know that she wrote an Audible uh, exclusive story. Um, It's like the AI who loved me or something like that. Audible's Babysitter Clubhouse at BookCon. Yeah, Yeah, they did not have it at BEA. At BEA proper. Well, I mean, if you're you're bringing in an audience that's extremely Instagram connected, that makes total sense. Yes. All right. So last question. What are you reading? Oh, boy. I guess I'll talk about Fixer Up by Tessa Bailey. And there's a review coming, but I'm torn because I love Bailey's writing. I like her sex scenes a lot. She does really good hot sex scenes, but this trope hinges on the off-limits younger sister sort of trope, which is not my favorite because I'm of the opinion that who my brother dates is none of my goddamn business, to be honest. He's 25. I can have my opinions if that person is good enough for him or whatever, but, you know, I don't like kind of like the heroin being treated like chattel, essentially, of like, you can't touch her, you can't look at her, don't even talk to her, and she's like a 23-year-old woman. She's known the hero- That hero never worked for me. Yeah, she's known the hero all of her life. They grew up together, and it's- 
you know, her brother's best friend. And the the hero remarks on the fact that she's, you know, Stephen's quote unquote little sister. I was like, she's 23. She's 23 years old. And it's something that even like comes up during like their first sex scene. Wait, what? Yeah. I don't have the book handy. It's somewhere. Uh, and I'll probably uh, mention it in the review. But it's just, at one point, does it does a problem become, like, this weird fixation? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's, like, he mentions it so much, it seems like it's a fetish at this point. So I'm having mixed feelings. Yeah. The, the whole you can't date my sibling trope really doesn't work well for me. Because if you're friends with this person, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't you know that they were a good person? If you're friends with someone who you don't want to be with your sibling, why are you friends with them? And it's not even like dating. Like uh, the hero is a baseball star who had a career-ending injury. He's kind of wallowing in sadness. The heroine is trying to get him out of it. She like goes to his apartment and is like, "We need to clean your apartment. You need food in here. Like you need to get your shit together." And you know the heroine's brother and hero's best friend steven like doesn't even want his friend talking to his sister i don't understand like it's he's like why are you talking to georgie like why was georgie at your apartment like it's goes far more than dating for example the hero is supposed to fix the heroine's fireplace and he's like, I don't even have her phone number to text her that, like, I'm running late or I might miss the appointment. But he's like, but I can't ask Steven because he'd flip out that I was asking for his sister's phone number. What? Yeah. They're just making it a big deal, and I don't think it should be a big deal. Yeah, I understand. I totally understand. So that's – Are you going to keep going? I mean – I don't know. I I don't want to DNF it. It's not like a bad book. It's just like a trope that I don't particularly enjoy. And it's giving me some good examples of why I don't enjoy this trope. I think we all have an example of we don't like this trope, but so-and-so, like my favorite author did it and I loved it. You know, we all have our authors who can take something that we might not enjoy or might not exactly like but write it in such a way that you're like okay this is my exception to the rule yeah absolutely that's definitely and happened to perhaps me. i was hoping this would be my exception to the rule and it is not i don't necessarily think the problem is the book because there are certain people who really like this trope and it could really work for them in this instance but I know it's not for me. When the problem is the conflict, what ends up happening is that the, the book almost has to make a double effort to convince you that this, this conflict is real. Yeah. And if, and if you think that the narrative is just insisting on the conflict because it's the conflict, it's like telling me that the reason you always do, the, the reason that we do something this, this way is because that's the way we've always done it. My reaction is going to be like, okay, so yeah, why are we still doing it? Like, I am not convinced. If you're not convinced, you're not convinced? Yeah. And in a, in a complete 180, the book I have lined up after this is The Girl in Red by Christina Henry, who wrote these really fucked up fairy tale retellings. She, I reviewed yeah. Alice. I think Carrie reviewed The Mermaid. She has one, I think it's called Hook uh, for Peter Pan. And this is her Little Red Riding Hood retelling. And 
I'm super excited about it. So The Girl in Red is next. A completely different book that (laughs) picks her up. But I'm excited about it. And the cover is, the cover should be a poster, in my opinion. (laughs) Is there a snake? No snake. But there's a, there's a wolf and like the wolf's head is kind of like, um, the fur looks like grass. So like the top half of the cover is a girl in a red hoodie with an ax walking through a forest. And the ground of that forest is the like back and fur of this wolf that is like glowering at you from the cover. And that brings us to the end of this episode. If you would like to find Amanda, she is online at Twitter underscore I'm an adult on Instagram at I'm an adult. But she also runs the Smart Bitches Instagram and is really good at it. So if you want to get book recommendations every Wednesday, Smart Bitches Instagram, Amanda will hook you up. If you have books that you want to tell us about that you know are coming out this year, we would love to hear about them because I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of books published like every hour but you can email us and tell us what you want to read at sbjpodcast at gmail.com because we love hearing from you. And if you'd like to leave a voicemail, you can do so at 1-201-371-3272. If you tell me a bad joke, it's going to be awesome because you know how much I love those. And I have a really bad one at the end of this episode. So keep listening because it's really terrible. <laughs> this week's episode and transcript are being brought to you by our most excellent Patreon community. If you have supported the show with a monthly pledge and the monthly pledges start at one entire dollar, you are helping keep the show going and I deeply appreciate it. If you'd like to have a look at our reward tiers, you can take a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. And as always, I am deeply, deeply thankful for your support. So thank you. The music you are listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. This is Pete Bog Fairies, and this is their live album, Live at 25, which is seriously fun to listen to. This track is Pete and Feet, and you can find it at Amazon, on iTunes, and you can find out more about the Pete Bog Fairies at their website, PeteBogFairies.com. Because that's what it, obviously what it would be, right? Coming up on Smart Bitches, we have so many new things coming up, I'm so excited. First... We have part one of our monthly What You're Reading discussion, where we all talk about what books have grabbed hold of us. And y'all love this feature so much that you requested we do it more than once, so we do it twice a month now. We also have new reviews of much-anticipated titles, a new Bachelorette recap, which are backed by popular demand, and we have a cover snark, because you should start your week off with just the right amount of flat male nipples and inexplicable hair patterns. Plus, we have books on sale and help a bitch out, and I hope you will come and hang out with us. What is with describing men's nipples as flat male nipples? Like, was I going to be worried that they were not flat, that they were in some way rotund, that they were spherical nipples? I don't... Why is it always flat male nipples? I don't understand. But anyway, enough about me. I will have links to all of the books that we discussed, and of course there were many, because Amanda was at BEA, and that's a dangerous place. And I will have links to the different vendors we talked about as well, including Taza Chocolate and Wiccan Fable Candles, if you too like candles as much as Amanda does. But now it's time for the terrible joke, because that's how I end every episode. Why should you not ever spell the word part backwards? Give up? Why should you not ever spell the word part backwards? It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. That <laughs> it's a trap. That joke is from Astronaut on Reddit. Thank you. <laughs> it's a trap. 
On behalf of Amanda and myself, we wish you the very best of reading this weekend, and we will see you back here next week.